Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a great joy to be here and uh, be invited to come and be part of a, this wonderful uh, month where you're going to be praying together. You know, one of the great joys of social media, there's a lot of not so great joyful things, but one of them is the, the communication that goes around uh, the country, for example, in terms of Christian uh, gatherings. And this week and this month, I'm staggered about how many churches are gathering for uh, prolonged times of prayer and fasting and seeking God. I mean, it's just possible that tonight we're just a small part of literally thousands and thousands and thousands, not only across London, but all over the country that are meeting to begin this year, uh, really praying and asking God to move in power. And it's such a great thing to do after the exhaustion of the last few weeks and the food that you've eaten to actually come together, take all the cobwebs off and come again and remind ourselves that without the power of the Holy Spirit, we just can't do what God's called us to do. That's true of you as an individual. It's true of you as a church corporately. It's true of the church across the United Kingdom. We, as the years go by, we don't need less of the power of the Holy Spirit. We actually need more and more of him. And Steve asked if I would uh, kind of kick off this, uh, this time together by talking about the Holy Spirit. It's a month of prayer, but my prayer tonight is it will be a month of being saturated with the Holy Spirit, of submitting our lives and everything that we are to him, the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say things tonight that you've heard a thousand times before, many of you. There might be one or two things that will be new. In other words, we're a congregation who have heard much about the person of the Holy Spirit. But you know, you can hear a lot of things about the Holy Spirit and actually still be quite a stranger to the person of the Holy Spirit. And just by way of introduction, and just by, to remind us, um, it's Jesus who introduces the Holy Spirit. It must have been a very strange experience for his disciples, who, loving being with Jesus, and walking with Jesus, and listening to him, and seeing all the miracles and the signs and wonders suddenly confronted by Jesus talking about someone else. Why talk about someone else? We'd much rather hear all about you. We're your disciples. And if you read in John chapter 14 to John 16, Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry, and this is important for us to grasp, and he starts talking about another person called the Holy Spirit. They didn't really understand. We want you, Jesus. We want you to be with us forever. Don't leave us. Jesus is saying, I'm going to leave you, and another one is going to come to you, and he is the Holy Spirit. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus says, it's far better for me to go to the Father. I don't think those disciples could have imagined anything worse. He says, it's far better that I go to be with the Father. For when I go to be with the Father and I'm glorified, then I will give you the Holy Spirit. Why is that better for Jesus right now to be with the Father? The answer is that Jesus can come to you personally in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus in his ministry is now on you. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit's poured out, the Holy Spirit comes in power upon these early disciples. For Jesus had said to them, wait, just go and wait for the coming of my Holy Spirit. 
And so we see this gathering in Acts chapter 1 of these followers of Jesus, kind of confused and wondering why it was far better for Jesus to leave them. They're about to find out. Because it's going to be as if Jesus has come again. And through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they will do amazing things in his name. I think Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 are the most contrasting two verses next to one another in the Bible. You read Acts chapter 1 of this company of people who are confused, who are afraid, who are greatly concerned, who may be being impatient. And the one thing I do know about them is that they're locked away. They're nervous. They're powerless. They, they can't do anything, but they've just been told to wait, which is what they do. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait. These are the people that are going to turn up the world upside down. It really doesn't look like it at this moment. You turn the page... And they, listen to this, exactly these same people, they're just ordinary people like you and me, are suddenly out on the streets, proclaiming the gospel, laying hands on the sick, seeing the things that Jesus did when he was bodily with them happening again, proclaiming with such boldness and with such confidence without any fear. The transformation of these people from chapter 1 to chapter 2 is extraordinary. It's almost unrecognizable. And the only difference between chapter 1 and chapter 2 is a person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. That person is the one that you and I need today, just as they did. That person is the, is the person that the church across Europe needs It doesn't need techniques and formulas. What does the church in Europe need right now against this terrible secularization that's going on all over the place? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you got a better idea? I don't think so. And in chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see something of this person of the Holy Spirit that transforms people's lives. I don't know whether you've ever been on an Alpha course. I've been on a few. I'm not a very good alpha course table leader my wife told me once because <laughs> I try to answer everyone's questions before I listen to them but when I've, <clears throat> when I've been on a, an alpha course you'll notice that, that the people who are not believers that are on the journey a lot of them come to a place actually where they genuinely believe they kind of are convinced that this gospel, this Jesus this is real, it really could work and then you watch them go through all kinds of thought patterns as the consequence of their believing. But if I believe, that will mean my whole life will have to change. Or if I believe, it means um, that that I'll have to give something of myself to this. And they start to weigh the cost. And one of the things I found is this, that they kind of go like this, but, but you know, I do believe all this. And they look at you as a Christian, they think, but I don't know if when I become a Christian, I'll be able to keep this up. I don't know, they're looking at you as if you're an amazing person because somehow you're able to keep up the Christian life. I find it very frustrating because I'm sitting this side of the table and I want to say to them, look, give your life to Jesus, come this side of the table and then you will discover a person called the Holy Spirit. Because the Christian life is not about you and me struggling along to try and make it work. It's about giving in to the person of the Holy Spirit friend of mine, many years ago when he was saved, he was a very intellectual guy at Oxford University, and he spent weeks and weeks and weeks studying scripture. He was very fervent after he'd been saved. 
And he said to me one day, I've only been a Christian for about two months. I said, David, I'm so glad I'm a Christian, but I've been reading all about what Jesus says that I'm to do and all his teaching and everything. He said, David, it's really, really hard. <clears throat> I don't know if I can do this. It's really hard. And I said to him, it's not hard, it's impossible. You just absolutely need to understand. It's totally impossible. But there is a person called the Holy Spirit. And when you give in to him and he comes and fills you, you will find that you are able to fulfill the purposes of God. We were never meant to live the Christian life in our own strength, on our own. The Holy Spirit is not an option. Sometimes you meet Christians, it's kind of like that. You're one of these Holy Spirit guys. What are you then? It's kind of like, if you said that to a, someone in the early church, do, do you have the Holy Spirit? You know, it's kind of like a strange question. The issue is this. You're only saved because of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, verse 8. This is what happens to those who were born of the Spirit. When you read through the Acts of the Apostles, you find again and again this emphasis of the same Christians who have been born again of the Spirit are drenched with power from the Holy Spirit. Not as a one-off experience, but as an ongoing daily dependency upon this person for everything I need and our church needs. Christians, just like the early church, need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then go on being filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And here's the good news. That's God's will for all of us. And here's the good news, it can happen because it's not a case of how well are you doing as a Christian. It's a promise that comes from the Father to everybody who believes. Remember when I first became a Christian, I, I just was stumbling along. I was in a church that was really not open to the things of the Holy Spirit. But in my heart, I knew there had to be more than I was experiencing at that moment. I was struggling with all kinds of things. And my testimony is this, when eventually I, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and then yielded myself to him and wanted to walk and live and be filled with the Holy Spirit, that things really began to change. Because the Christian life isn't about you, it's about him in you and through you. Our task is easy, just keep giving room for the Holy Spirit. Just keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just keep giving in to the person of the Holy Spirit. What I want to do tonight in the short space I've got, because I really want us tonight to kick off by praying about our need of the Holy Spirit to come upon us, is just to talk about ongoing dependency. Because what I want to do is get you hungry and get you thirsty at the beginning of 2016. If nothing happens in this year other than you continue to be filled with the Spirit, that'll do me fine. One of the descriptions of the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is our helper. John chapter 14 verse 16. I will give you, let me read it to you, and I, Jesus said, will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. And so Jesus knows that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, one of the main things that he will do is to continually help you in every way. Now, many of you know this, the original word is the word paraclete. And the word paraclete helper means the one who comes alongside. It's kind of like this. <clears throat> if I have got a heavy load, 
and I'm all on my own, and I can hardly lift the load, I can hardly move this load along, I'm in real trouble. But if a friend comes along, sees me struggling, picks up the other end of the load and says, I'll carry it with you, my goodness, the difference is absolutely amazing. That's exactly the picture that we need to hold of the Holy Spirit, of your Christian life. Your Christian life will be like a heavy load. The Holy Spirit has come along to carry that load with you. We ignore the Holy Spirit at our peril. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but how frustrating it must be for the Holy Spirit to be watching you struggling along in your Christian life. He's come for the purpose. Please let me help you. Please don't pick that up. You'll never make it. Let me come and do it for you. And we grieve the Holy Spirit, and we sometimes quench the Holy Spirit when we simply ignore him and allow him to do the very thing that he's been called to do. Our need is to constantly ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us. Do you know, I would struggle to think of a single area in the Christian life where you don't need the Holy Spirit's help. Let me give you an example or two. Worship. We've worshipped tonight. Do you know you cannot worship without the Holy Spirit? You can sing songs. Anyone can sing a song. But Jesus said that there'll come a day when we'll worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, worship isn't something I do. It's something I do with the help of the Holy Spirit. He comes and touches my heart and helps me to worship. What about the word of God? Anybody find this difficult? Of course you do. One of the reasons it's difficult is because we can't just get revelation through our intellect. And so the Holy Spirit has come to breathe on the Word of God. And so we should be reading the Word of God and saying, Holy Spirit, could you please help me understand this? I'm in Leviticus and I'm struggling and I don't understand much about it. Please would you come and help me? And the Holy Spirit will come and give you the help that you need. About witnessing to your family members or to your friends. Well, didn't Jesus say in Acts chapter 1, when my spirit comes upon you, you will be witnesses. Trying to witness without the Holy Spirit is very difficult. Holy Spirit, would you come and help me in the workplace, in my family, in the street, and I left? I want you to come and help me so that I am able to witness to people. Now, this is a month of prayer. Let me just tell you right off the back, if you're going to go through a month of prayer, you need the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but most Christians that I know struggle with their prayer life. I had someone come to me just recently and said, David, I just love the Lord, but I really struggle with my prayer life, as if they were the only person in the world that had that problem. I assured them that in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Paul says, the great apostle Paul, we do not know how to pray. You're in really good company. We don't know how to pray. And then he says in the, in the same verse, yet the Holy Spirit helped us. Got the word? Helps us in our weakness. I don't know about you, but when I pray in my own strength, ignoring the Holy Spirit on a cold January morning when it's still dark, and I just don't involve the Holy Spirit in my praying, ten minutes can seem like an hour. The moment I say, Holy Spirit, I, I really don't know how to pray, could you please help me, you're the helper, help me in my praying, then I can say to you that sometimes just 
10 minutes can seem like an hour, an hour, 10 minutes. The contrast is massive because of the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says over again, over and over again, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit. The gift of tongues is a, a wonderful gift that God gives to us as Christians. It doesn't make you a better Christian, but boy, does it help you in your prayer life. I'd love for more and more of us to have received that gift because it's so helpful in terms of praying in the Spirit. What about relating to Christians? And if you find you need help relating to Christians, I, I've lived my whole life with Christians. Um, I mean, they're weird. Have you noticed? <coughs> Jesus wants us to know the help of the Holy Spirit to love, to be kind, to be gentle, to be patient, to have self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit that come when we say, Lord, I, I just can't. Lord, they've put me in this small group, and everybody in small group is really weird. They're really strange. They're not the kind of people I want to be with. What you don't know is they're all looking at you, and they're thinking exactly the same thing. <laughs> We can't love one another <coughs> without the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's just not going to work. What about marriage? How many of you are married? Put your hands up if you're married. Anybody you think you need the Holy Spirit to help you in your marriage? <laughs> Almost every hand went up again. You know, it's a strange thing, isn't it? People talk to me about, you know, we need the Holy Spirit to move in signs and wonders. I need the Holy Spirit in my marriage and... And then children come along. Do you think you need the Holy Spirit to help you raise children? And then those children become teenagers. And it's still kind of out there on the voting system. Which is more difficult to raise teenagers or raise the dead? They're about the same kind of level. It's hard work. It's true. And you're sitting there tonight saying, well, I don't need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. There is nothing outside of the need of the Spirit. The workplace. No, the Holy Spirit's not involved in the work. Of course he's involved in the workplace. <coughs> Wherever you go, he wants to be there and to be involved. We haven't even talked about anything corporate. We're just talking about individuals. But unity, with such diversity, how's that ever going to work? This one, see how wonderful the Holy Spirit is? You see how we can't live a day without him? You see, like in a moment, some of you are sitting there already saying, Dave, would you please come to the end of this sermon because I need to be prayed for. Because I need the Holy Spirit. It's so important. The more we go on, the more we see our need of this helper. Sometimes, you know, when people go forward at meetings or they get prayed for to move in signs and wonders, sometimes I say, I just need, I'm just a dad. I just need the Holy Spirit to be the kind of father that God wants me to be. Now I have a brother-in-law, he's American, his name is Art, <laughs> and um, all my life that I've known Art, my brother-in-law, he's, he's been someone who's always wanted more of the Holy Spirit, everything that's going, he's had this hunger and thirst for God, and I've been in several meetings with him over the years, and watched him, you know, he, the only thing he doesn't go forward to is conversion, because he's saved. Everything else that's going, he goes for it. He's so hungry, so wants God. He's just become somebody who realizes he needs the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. Is there anything going he wants? And I love that attitude. Sadly, I'm not always like it, but I wish I was. And I was in one meeting, and it was an appeal for healing, physical healing. Art's one of the first ones out. 
laying on hands, praying for him. Now, I'd never really questioned Art over these years about what he does and everything else, but I knew he wasn't sick. There was nothing wrong with him. So when he came back, I took the plunge. I said, Art, I just don't understand this. You've come forward to this. And there's nothing wrong with you. Why have you gone forward to be prayed for? He says, well, it's obvious. I need general maintenance. <laughs> so, honestly, I, was, I didn't know what to say. All I was thinking was, that makes sense. How many people here today need the Holy Spirit for general maintenance? There we go. What we're talking about this evening is actually something that some of us struggle with, and men particularly struggle with this. It's an admittance of weakness. It's a bit humbling to realize you can't do this on your own. We live in a very self-sufficient age. We like to make these, we like to control. What we're saying tonight is this, if we really want the Holy Spirit to be able to do the, for the very reason that he was sent, then we need to submit to him and admit our weakness and keep on admitting your weakness. The Apostle Paul said this, when I am weak, then I am strong. It's not a failure. It's actually the doorway to receiving the power for all that God's called you to be and do. Very quickly, I'm going to mention a couple more things, and then we're going to start praying. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. Another description of the Holy Spirit in terms of ongoing dependency is that he's our companion. There's that little phrase that comes often in the New Testament, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered what that means? Sometimes we finish a meeting when we do a, a kind of a blessing and, and it finishes, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And, and Scripture's got this phrase again and again, what does it mean? Well, in our context of the Holy Spirit being our helper, I think it means this, being helped isn't functional. Being helped is being in relationship. So fellowship with your helper, the Holy Spirit, is really important. Because the Holy Spirit is not a force. He is not an it. He is a real person. And I find having to <clears throat> try and help Christians to get this in their thinking, in their hearts, that he really is a person. And therefore, we need to be in relationship with him and us. The Trinity is one God, three persons beautifully in relationship with one another. We get to experience something of that relationship through fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit remains a stranger to many Christians because they still see him as an experience, maybe a one-off experience. And we're being shortchanged if that's what we think because he's not an experience, he is a person. We can experience him but it's not about feelings, it's about a decision to be in relationship with him more and more. And if the Holy Spirit is a person, then he speaks, he heals, he touches, he feels, he energizes, he breathes, he gives life. Everything that you might get from a relationship with someone else. And it takes two people to have a relationship. And so we need to pursue the Holy Spirit. I fell in love with my wife, I saw her across a crowded room like you do, and I pursued her, because I wanted to get to know her. Fortunately for me, she thought I was alright as well, 
And so she, thank you, she pursued me. So the pursuit ends up in a relationship. And so we kind of know one another. When I married her 37 years ago yesterday, thank you, when I married her, don't have to applaud, did I really know her? I thought I did. The last 37 years have proved that I, had, I knew nothing. And I didn't really know her. <clears throat> so our whole relationship, our whole married relationship has been getting to know one another more. I'm still pursuing her. I'm still finding things out about her all these years later. We have fellowship, which is relationship. That is the relationship we need with the Holy Spirit. There's so much about him yet that I do not know, that I need to know, that I want to know. And it comes from he and I together in fellowship. It comes from me yielding to him, listening to his voice, giving room to him, staying close to him. Let me ask you, this isn't a theological trick, but let me ask you, this is important to try and earth this. Where is the Father? Well, the answer is obvious because Jesus said, pray to our Father who is in heaven. Where is Jesus? The answer is he's sat down at the right hand of the Father. He's ruling and reigning over all things. So where's the Holy Spirit? And the answer is he's here and he's with us. And it's for me to have a constant fellowship with him. There'll come a day when that comes to an end, either because I die or because Jesus comes back again. But until that time, this fellowship with the Holy Spirit is really important. Final thing I want to say about the Holy Spirit is this. He is our helper. He is our companion. He is also our empowerer. So I think it's a good question to ask, 21st century, 2016, in the Western world, of all Christians to ask this question, where is the power? Where are the miracles? You know, I, if you're like me, you hear about all the miracles and power in Africa and South America and China. It's not fair. It's everywhere else except here. Let me tell you that power has to do with a person. And where is the power and where is the miracles, I think, has to do with the person of the Holy Spirit being closer to him and being filled with him when we understand that power is not an it but a person and we stay close to him, that power will begin to be manifest amongst us more and more. And it's power internally. Ephesians 3, Paul prays that you might know the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. <clears throat> in other words, there's a whole load of stuff inside of me that the power of the Holy Spirit can deal with. And then there's external power, <clears throat> which is the kind of miraculous stuff that you start to see as a servant of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we start to see the same things that he saw. And we're living in a day where we need to see Christians authentically moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and knowing him as their companion and knowing him as their helper. So how are you doing? Just before we pray, how are you doing today with the Holy Spirit? If for some of you tonight, if you're really honest, you might have to say, well, um, he's a bit of a stranger. I don't really seem to have this relationship with him that you're talking about. For some of us, it may be, do you know what? I really lack power in my life right now. What's the answer? More of the Holy Spirit. And for some of us, I felt this today when I was preparing. For some of us, it's just simple. It's that there's specific areas 
in our Christian life whereby we're struggling. And here's the reason, because we're doing it in our own strength. And if I have one prayer tonight for us, and we might pray about this with one another, is this, that we come to a place of total surrender to the person of the Holy Spirit. Where we come to a place tonight where we say, we can't do this without him. I can't live the Christian life as Jesus has asked me to live on my own. I need him. Because this is the beginning of a month of prayer in 2016 for you as King's Church, we corporately need the Holy Spirit. I mean, you're a tremendous church with great resources, great leaders. It's a great story, King's Church. I always think about that. I always think, this is a great story. Do you know why it's happened? The Holy Spirit. Do you know what your future depends on? The Holy Spirit. He really is the only one who can make this church be all that God intends. And he's the only one that can help you as a believer live the Christian life as he called you to live. Can we stand together? We've got... One of the great things about these kind of times together is we've got time. I don't know if it... Church is really busy on Sundays, you know, the kids have got to be picked up and you've got to get out because a whole load of nicer people coming in after you and just be nice to them on the way out. It's all kind of, we've got 20 minutes, half an hour to just stay for a moment, soaked in the presence of God. We'll pray with one another in a minute, we'll reach out to him, but I would like to pray to begin with and then we'll just ask the Holy Spirit to come and start to move amongst us. I'm going to pray, and if you feel you identify with this prayer, I'm going to pray it kind of on our behalf. And I really love you to, in your hearts, be saying amen. Lord, I thank you for saving me, and I thank you there came that day when, though I didn't know you, you broke into my life. You initiated it. I was dead in my sins, but I've been made alive in Christ. You initiated that. It's amazing. I am a child of God. I know that I'm born again. And Lord, you have a plan and purpose for my life. And Lord, you have a calling on my life. You have a calling on every person in this room right now. And we cannot live this Christian life in our own strength. Lord, I confess that I often try to do this alone. And today, tonight, I choose to yield to the helper, the Holy Spirit. Folks, tonight, you can make, this is not a battle feeling, you can make this decision in your prayer right now. You can set the course for the rest of your life right now. And the course is this, I'm no longer going to live in my own strength but I'm going to constantly give room to the person of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I need you. I need the power of your Spirit. I confess it. I submit to this wonderful person who's come to dwell. The Holy Spirit, folks, he's even more zealous for a relationship with you than you are with him. He's longing to fill you. He's longing to be everything that you need. Won't you give in to him this evening? 
just without making any noise just for a moment, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to come. And just all around this room right now, if you can agree with the Word of God tonight, right at the beginning of 2016, this is one of the greatest things that you can do. This is one of the assurances that this year could be very, very fruitful for you. It's not your ability. It's not your experience or even your clever ideas. It is the person of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come right now all over this room, anointing, changing, doing a new work in people's lives, filling people with your Holy Spirit, filling this church. I want to pray for King's Church to have a year like never before, and it's all down to you, Holy Spirit to come again and again. Sometimes it's visible, sometimes invisible. <laughs> but we know, Holy Spirit, that you love to come to your people. Hallelujah. Just again, while we're still praying, I'm just reminded of when Jesus stood up on the first day of his ministry. Read about it in Luke chapter 4. They gave him the passage, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is appointed upon me, anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. When Jesus said to his disciples, far better that I go to be with the Father, it's so that that same spirit on him could come upon them. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we are still able to say the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us to preach good news to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. We are not alone. He has come. If there's an area of your life this evening, you just want to submit, give over to him. Do it right now. He's, he's longing to take it. <laughs> he's longing to come in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Give us these moments, Lord, just to wait upon you, just to receive you.